Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Diet Detox Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Berry, here with my sister-in-law, Victoria Wilkes. How are you? I am doing well. It was a little little bit of a whirlwind today, but not, well, not whirlwind is not the right word. It was a quiet day at home, but my son was in a really foul mood. So (laughs) it was, it was like, I was trying to manage his, his rage all day. (laughs) Uh Yeah, I can relate. Ethan's getting his molars in. So he's turned into kind of a cranky boy and chewing on everything. He chews oh, on the table legs of the table in his spare time. I you know. <laughs> the same. He just got his second tooth through in two weeks. He got a tooth through and then immediately started teething on another. And it was a really big front tooth. And so he's just, yeah. he was up, like he, he, he slept very badly for about two weeks. And so today I think he, now that his tooth is through and he's feeling better, I think he was just exhausted and he just mm-hmm. wanted to sleep all day. <laughs> Nice. Hey, that's great when it catches up to him like that. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. So let's do, yeah, I had a pretty good day today. Um, not too bad. We went out and about, which was really nice. Like we just went to the local natural health food store, but um, it's funny. I, this was the nicest uh, shopping trip that I've been on since the pandemic. And by that, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I'm really sensitive. I can pick up everybody's emotion. Like everybody in the store is usually stressed. Oh yeah. Scared, anxious, and fearful. And I just, I hate that environment. Everybody, including the cashiers. And I'm just like, uh. so this time it was really nice. Like, um, I actually, for the first time, well, second time in, since the pandemic started in, I guess, March or, you know, pandemic air quotes, whatever, um, started in March. I had actually had someone, just a stranger, like say hello. Right. I, I, I have not had, if everybody's just been get in, get out, don't talk to anybody, don't look at anybody, you know, just real, just yes. I don't know, weird. And I, I haven't been out that much, but you know, so that was kind of nice. I was like, wow, you know, that, people that are so interesting because the last time that I went out on Friday, last, this past Friday, whenever I went out, I told Galen, I was like, that was probably the nicest shopping trip since this whole thing started. Like See, I, I felt more yeah. relaxed. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. That's, that's funny because I had that same experience. I was like, wow, this people are like the cashier was very friendly and you know, like, Oh, how old's your baby? You know, I, I it, people just have been so, you know, Ooh, Oh, and it, so. and it's just awkward too. I think, I think even people for people who aren't afraid necessarily, they just, yeah. you don't know how to interact and everybody's faces yes. are covered up and you can't read social cues and it's just awkward. It's just it's awkward. Really yeah. Because, awkward. and, and, you know, I, it's funny. I used to be a big time hugger or I used to not be a big time hugger. And then I made myself into a hugger kind of. And so now mm-hmm. I'm like the person that's, you know, oh, hi, so good to see you. And like, I come up with a hug and they're like, oh, I'm not hugging right now. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, oh yeah. I wish I could put myself back into the non-hugger <laughs> because I made myself into one. And I'm like, what terrible timing because I don't want to make anybody else feel awkward. I don't know. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. So anyhow, but yeah, let's do our little segment where you talk about what we've been eating recently. It's been good. So what have, what have you been enjoying? Um, pretty much the same things, uh, dark chocolate, eggs, mangoes. Nice. (laughs) Um, I don't really have anything new. I accept that, you know, I've been doing the scrambled eggs, which is really good. But then also for whenever I just need a quick snack, um, of protein, I've been doing hard boiled eggs and just sprinkling salt over them and eating them just cold from the fridge and they're delicious. And that's been really nice lately because sometimes a lot of times my 
protein needs to be like prepared, you know, it's a meat, something like that. And so to have a protein that's ready to go is really nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, So I, I came up with this very um, interesting waffle uh, topping. So you'll have to try it. So it's, (laughs) you take a waffle and if you, you know, you can do gluten-free, whatever waffle you have on hand, use your waffle. You take the waffle and you put a couple of slices of sharp white cheddar. So like I I got like Tillamook cheddar. Okay. Stay with me. Cheddar on there. And then you put maple syrup. And I don't know what it is about having that on top of that, like the, the cheese, and then you have a little bit. It's almost like one of those fancy hors d'oeuvres you'd eat where it has the, the che- like, cheese on top of some kind yeah. of a, yeah. And then you have the little tiny bit of maple syrup. I'm telling you, it's really good. It okay, was just a random. Interesting, because I my sister uh, tried, oh, I can't remember what it's called. Some French name. It was not a croque monsieur. It was a, it was a uh, Monte Cristo? Yeah. Uh-huh. Something. Something where it was a grilled cheese sandwich, but with strawberry jam. Uh huh. Yep. That sounds similar. That's yes. really And you can also do it. I've done it, but I, I don't know. Cheese and maple syrup on top of random things goes well. I know this sounds weird, but yeah. you can also do it with fried eggs. So if you take the fried egg, oh put, cheese, put the just, and it's not a lot of maple syrup. It's just like a little, just a little bit to give it that, you know, flavor. I don't know. I'm telling you, it's, there's something about, it's almost like those cheese and honey platters that they have at, you know, yeah. a fancy hotel. I don't know. It's just random. I, I was just, it sounded good and I made it and I was like, Hey, this is great. So if you can do okay. cheese, I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> I'm going to have to try it. Cause that sounds so bizarre that it yep. sounds like it's, it would work. It, it, I know it's, it's very weird, but it, it's surprisingly good. So anyhow. Okay. But let's get on to our subject matter for today. And unsurprisingly, this is going to be a, somewhat controversial episode for many reasons but so we're going to be talking today about sugar we're going to be talking all about sugar so if you what we may be saying it may be very surprising to some of you some of you may already you know be wised up to these things but some of you this may be really surprising to you and it might actually you know, um, contradict some of what you've learned, especially like for me, uh, um, what I know of nutrition and stuff, a lot of this, I was not necessarily taught directly. I had to kind of go looking for it sort of. So it's, it's very counter cultural in the nutrition world, but it's very, very helpful to like all of us, (laughs) the information we're going to share. So, cause we're going to be talking all about sugar and how like (laughs) the myths about sugar it causes cancer. It's going to cause your cells to um, go glycolytic. It's going to uh, cause you to have, yeah, it's addictive. It's going to cause you to have blood sugar problems, all of these different things. We're just going to talk about it. So yeah, we, we both had some notes on it because we've been, we've been wanting to do this episode for a very long time. So just saying like, it might actually be kind of shocking and might, you know, I always come to things with kind of an open mind. So right here, I would tell people, Definitely put on your open mind hat because a lot of this is going to sound weird <laughs> until you listen to the whole thing and you're like, okay, this actually makes sense. So anyway, because sugar is our favorite thing to demonize. Favorite yeah. thing to demonize. So <laughs> I was about to say, like, aren't all of our episodes controversial? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we kind of are. I didn't realize that I was controversial until, you know, someone was like, oh, yeah, you have that, that controversial podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
the controversial podcast. Yes, very controversial. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, well, it is very, very popular to demonize sugar. So there was the whole scandal that came out a couple of years ago about how the sugar companies, the sugar industry, um, I watched a documentary called Sugar Coated. And it was all about the harmful effects of, of sugar and about diabetes and about the um, about the corruption that goes on with the sugar um, industry trying mm-hmm. to manipulate politicians into uh, ignoring uh, different pieces of science and they manipulated science and they paid for studies to be done. So yeah, there has been a lot of shady stuff going on with the sugar industry. But I mean, what industry is not trying to maneuver to get the most money that they can possibly get? So, yeah, there has been a lot of press, like a lot of really bad press about like, oh, my gosh, all the lies that the sugar industry has kept from us. And um, just recently, I don't know if you noticed, but after that documentary, I was like, huh, it's true that there is no daily value amount for sugar recommended. And then after it all came out that the sugar industry had been um, like lobbying and mm-hmm. uh, paying off politicians and stuff, then suddenly there's like a daily amount of sugar. Have you noticed right. that? Yes. Like oh, yes. Value? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where it's like, so, so everybody already is afraid of sugar anyway. And then all the corruption and all that stuff. And then now they've added the daily value amount. And then it's like, Oh my gosh, this Coke has 73% of my daily value or whatever. So it's, it's on a lot of people's minds. And I was thinking about it today and I don't know that I know of any family. I was thinking, I can't even count the number of families that I know of that are either deathly afraid of sugar and it is like not in their house at all or just restrict it in some form. I don't know of any, Mm -hmm. any family at all that doesn't restrict sugar. Right. Just kind of an American thing. It is. It definitely is. Um, and you're right. They, there has been some, you know, the whole percentage daily value thing, you know, Oh, this has X many and and them putting, you know, putting labels on it so that people will know, you know, be aware (laughs) So that's definitely, that's definitely happened with that too. Well, and it's interesting because we just take it for granted that sugar is terrible for you. Sugar is at the root of, you know, anybody in the wellness industry basically puts sugar at the root of everything. Gut problems, sugar, Yep. Uh, emotional problems, sugar, headaches, sugar, cancer, sugar, Yep. Um, hormonal problems, sugar. And, and one of the first things, if you go to any naturopathic doctor, including mine, whom I love, um, the, the, this constant, um, warnings about sugar and cookbooks and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. around the waiting room about how awful sugar is for you. Um, and so it's just a thing that we don't question in the health industry, but we should, we should question everything. We should question and look at the science ourselves and not just take, um, the status quo for granted. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's easy to just get stuck in a rut and listen to only one person or, you know, one theory and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's easy to just get, to just get on the bandwagon. And Mm -hmm. I know as a practitioner, there are many, many, many sugar detoxes, sugar detox diets, uh, all kinds of things that 
you know, say, oh, this is you know going to be the key to all of your life's problems is to, you know, get yourself detoxed from sugar. And mm-hmm. <laughs> for a long time, I had a problem with that because, of course, I have done many of those in the past. And you know what happened whenever I went on the sugar detoxes is that I would always have this time where I would feel great. But before that, I had a time where I felt really terrible. <laughs> and then yeah. you would, and I think that it really, the way that people phrase it is that, you know, you got to detox yourself and then you can kind of go back to your regular life, you know, get, get, get it detoxed out of you. And then you can kind of, you know, go back to your regular life. When in reality, if you look at how your body uses sugar, for example, um, it's actually quite interesting that your body breaks down most all carbohydrates. So think a sweet potato, orange juice, uh, grapes, pineapple, anything that you can name that is a carbohydrate, it breaks down to glucose, fructose, sucrose. There's different kinds of sugar. So it breaks down into that. But the the interesting thing about your body is that your body doesn't necessarily, uh, it doesn't necessarily recognize if you had, for example, table sugar and you had that, if you had, you know, a pear, for example, it still has, you know, if you looked at a nutrition label, let's say it had X many grams of sugar. But the interesting thing is uh, that the pear, for example, will have trace minerals and stuff. It has other vitamins as well, Mm -hmm. but it does break down in your bloodstream to glucose or fructose or sucrose. I don't know the exact makeup of that individual you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> pair. But so people just get all, I don't know, people just get all hyped up about, you know, cutting out all sugar. And for a while it was just cut out refined sugar. And now people are saying, cut out even fruit, cut out fruit juice, cut out anything right. that has sugar at all in it because it's going to kill you now. And right. it just, and, and, you know, interestingly, back to the diet, back to the um, sugar detox diet. So right. it's very interesting that people will go on, people will typically, you know, go on their, their sugar detox diet. They'll feel terrible for a little bit and then they'll feel almost euphoric by the, towards the end of it. And right. what's interesting is your body burns. So your body is made to burn two different fuels. It's made to burn fat and glucose. And when it, when it's, you can, you're supposed to be able as your body, your body's supposed to be able to switch the fuels. So it should be able to burn the glucose and then it should be able to burn fat and it should be able to do both of those. So what people are doing often when they go on a sugar detox diet, when they cut out, basically go super low carb, less than 20 grams a day, that will actually kick your body into a really stressful state because it's having to switch fuels to fat. So it's having mm-hmm. to go from the sugar to the fat. And when it does that, it can burn just fat. It can do that. But the thing is, is that your liver has to do that. So you're asking your liver to do another job on top of its 500 other things. You're asking it to make sugar from your body. And mm-hmm. in order to get that sugar processed, you have to secrete cortisol. And guess where the cortisol comes from? Your adrenals. <laughs> so this is why I know this is kind of a long rambly little aside, but I wanted to get people to understand that, you know, you go on these little crash diet, sugar detox things, and your body is, you're asking your body to do something that it would do in a survival situation. Let's just put it like that. If you're really not eating very many carbs, your body's having to manufacture them yourself. And we'll talk more about that next week too with the the next podcast that we have about low-carb diets and keto diets. But I just wanted to touch on that because your body actually uses glucose to fuel like a lot of its processes and your brain actually uses quite a bit 
of the glucose. So your body is always trying to keep that glucose level high. And if you don't give it the glucose, it's going to have to make it. So the thing with sugar too, is that people always say, well, sugar depletes nutrients. If you eat sugar, and I know you have notes on this too. If you eat sugar, you're going to deplete nutrients in your body. And (laughs) the thing about that is the answer is kind of obvious. So of course, if you if you eat sugar and by sugar, I mean like like think like turbinado or white sugar. You're eating sugar, so sugar doesn't have any nutrients, right? It doesn't have any vitamins. It sometimes has trace minerals actually, but it doesn't really have very much nutrition. It doesn't have protein. It doesn't have fat. It's just pure <laughs> glucose. Right. So it doesn't have all of that. And when you put it in when you put it in your body, um, basically. It will be processed by your body and put into your bloodstream very quickly, as opposed to having to break down. Let's say you're eating a pear. Okay. So let's say you're eating a pear. It has the minerals. When you're eating the sugar, you're actually going to get it. It's going to go straight into your bloodstream. Right. And people often think, okay, well, if I, you know, sugar depletes your nutrients. Well, here's the thing. Sugar doesn't have very many nutrients. So it actually means that you just need to make sure that you're eating the rest of your food as nourishing as possible and as you know, get your nutrients in your food, sugar is its own entity, if that makes sense. Right. So people right. get all hung up. It's like, no, it, it, that's actually not true. I, that, that is a myth actually that uh, it depletes your nutrients. I, I have not been able to find, you know, empirical evidence that eating sugar depletes your body of nutrients. Now, right. if and, you're, and if I- you're drinking Coke all day and that's all you have and you're not eating any food, or you're not eating other nutrients, which are found in other foods, then yeah, you're probably going to have a problem. <laughs> so. Right. Well, and that's, that's the thing about the whole depleting your body of nutrients. They say, well, because it's devoid of nutrients, it steals, it requires nutrients from your body to process it. Right. Yep. That's what I've always heard, but I can't every, like every article, every book, referencing sugar says that but not a single one references the science behind that so I don't know if it's just an assumption or Mm -hmm. I don't know why I can't find any studies on that so if somebody has a study on that let us know yeah um and and I will add too um one of the things that I've heard like the nutrients thing people will say well your body actually requires the thing that people will say is your body requires magnesium x many molecules of magnesium for x many grams of sugar but the problem with that is that it also requires that for carbs in general. Like, let's not just put it on sugar. If you're eating carbs, you've got to have magnesium because magnesium is a mineral and it's an intracellular mineral and it is responsible for the transfer of nutrients across your cell membrane. So sure, it's going to need some magnesium, whatever you're eating that's a carb. <laughs> so I right. wanted to add that because that's, that's, I've heard that said before. And the thing is, it's not just sugar. It's any carb that you are eating, whether it is an apple or a sweet potato or rice or whatever. (laughs) Right. um, Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because we just don't think about actually looking at the science behind this because most of us, I know for sure I was taught growing up that sugar is very bad for you Mm -hmm. and it was very, very limited. And so what that does, and in, and in certain, you know, we limited it a lot in our household. And so yeah. I was quite obsessed with it. And there were friends of mine who it was limited severely. And they were like, I mean, just if they would get sugar, they would go absolutely bonkers. Like mm-hmm. the kids just could not contain themselves. And so observing that habit, especially like in children where it's that, you know, they suddenly are eating 
you know, 10 servings of ice cream one after another, whenever they don't normally get sweets. Um, everybody thinks, oh my gosh, sugar is so addictive. Or, you know, as somebody eating a a traditionally healthy lifestyle, as in kind of low carb, low calorie, Mm -hmm. um, watching their calories. And then at night they just can't stop thinking about the ice cream in the fridge and then they go binge on it and they think, oh my gosh, I am addicted to sugar. Sugar is so addictive. Um, and I even had, um, one of my, uh, natural, my naturopathic doctor told me one time that it's eight times more addictive than cocaine. I've heard it (laughs) connected to heroin. Um, it's as addictive as heroin, all this stuff. And oh my gosh, it's, you know, it's as addictive as tobacco. We should be regulating it. You should have to be carded to buy a Coke. Um, I've heard all of that. And so I spent a good deal of time, um, researching whether or not sugar is actually addictive because I was like, okay, I want to know this. Like, am I eating an addictive substance that I can't help but crave? Like, is it a, is it a chemical reaction in my brain that overwhelms all reason, all self-control, all thought processes. And it just, you can't help it. Like, like a heroin addict, right? Yes. Is that true? Or is it possible that it's just like any other food and I can be relaxed around it? And so I really wanted to settle that question in my mind. And so, um, I found some really compelling research on it and I will link to it. Um, and beware whenever you look up online, if you look up, um, sugar and addiction, everybody, everybody, except for the studies that I'm going to link. Like if you go to, I don't know, all the popular, like, um, web MD and mm-hmm. very well, uh, whatever, all, all health line. Yeah. Yes. The mainstream they just claim, oh, sugar's addictive because they have done studies and usually beware, these studies are usually done on rats. Right. Also beware that these studies are usually done with rats who are deprived of sugar and then presented with it. Um, and so they'll do studies with rats where say they have a choice between, um, I don't know, something like a control and then they have a choice between a shock, like an electric shock, but you also get, they get like a little pellet of sugar mm-hmm. and they find that the rats go for the sugar, even through the pain. And so, um, they're like, Oh my gosh, it's so addictive. You're willing to go through pain to get this. They've also shown that rats, um, that it lights up the same centers in your brain as heroin is like, it lights up the pleasure centers of your brain. Right. Again, what they're not telling you is that the rats are already as far as I know, in every study, I don't know if they've done a study where they regularly feed sugar to rats and then they present like another option. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, they are always deprived and then it's presented to them. So basically they're yeah. on a sugar diet and then they're presented with sugar. So all, all those studies are done in a restriction. Um, also, what they don't tell you is that the pleasure centers of your brain is not lit up just with drugs. The pleasure centers of your brain light up whenever you spend money. Mm -hmm. Um, whenever you play with or see puppies, (laughs) when you exercise, um, when you have sex, when you listen to music, like lots of things that we of course understand as really healthy, they all light up those same centers of your brain as cocaine and heroin. Like, don't just be like, oh my gosh, it lights up the same centers as your brain. And so yeah. therefore be as addictive as heroin. No. So they've done a lot of studies 
where they are like, okay, here's the criteria for what an addiction is. And, and you have to have, um, it has to impair your ability to function and it has to um, uh, have physical withdrawals and these different things. And especially this one study, which I will link to um, in the show notes by Margaret Westwater, I think her name is. Mm, yeah. Um, so she did the study. She did the study. Um, I can't remember which if she was Harvard or Oxford, I can't remember, but she did the study and trying to see, okay, well, is sugar addictive? And her conclusion, let me see if I can get it and read it. It was fascinating. Um, her study, I mean, her, um, conclusion was restrictive eating patterns have become the norm in our society. When our bodies don't receive the energy they need, biological reinforcements kick in to ensure our survival. This can come in the form of craving sugar or feeling out of control around it. Hmm. So she was saying that the fact that everyone in our society is already restricting food makes you energy deficient, calorically deficient. Sugar is an easy hit. And so your body makes that craving overwhelming so that you can have enough energy to survive the rest of the day, right? Yep. So then she concludes, we find little evidence to support sugar addiction in humans and findings from the animal literature suggest that addiction-like behaviors such as binging only occur in the context. And feeling out of control, addiction-like, not addiction, because it doesn't have the same properties as actual, like, drug addiction. Right. Um, Sugar, quote-unquote, addiction only happens whenever you have restricted access to sugar. Uh-huh. Like that blew my mind. I was, I was, I mean, I was like, again, it, it comes down to like most of our problems with food come down to our attitude about food, not the food itself. It's not the sugar. It's your attitude about the sugar. Yes. Which is what we've seen over and over again with the restriction. What you restrict, you will start to obsess over and or binge on. So that completely validates that because it is, it's what you obsess over and you restrict and you tell yourself you can't have, you're going to make yourself obsessed with it. So yeah, I just think that's really interesting. Yeah. And then I also, um, found, I was also looking up, um, we've referenced coconuts and kettlebells before their, their cookbook fitness book kind of deal. So I was just kind of trying to see, I was like, I remember that they had something to say about sugar. And this is just interesting to, again, like we're saying, just, just question it. Like if you go to an article online and you're learning about sugar, they're going to, I mean, every single one, except for the studies that said, actually, this is not a problem. <laughs> Your dieting is the problem. Right. Every mainstream website just talks about how bad it is and how you need to moderate it. You need to restrict it. You've got to be careful. Um, and so I was like, I wonder what coconuts and kettlebells said about it. I remember they said something. So I went back to their book and I saw that they said, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's something that with the, with the cells, Margaret, help me. Oh yes. Which one about the cells? Glyca something. Oh yeah. Glycolytic cells. Yes. Yes. I've got that. Mm -hmm. Yes. They were saying that, that, and I know I'm hogging it. I'll let you talk in a second. Oh no, no, this is fine. This is good. This is why when you came up with all these studies, I was like, 
this is why she's the co-host because you're like, you know, she, I, I, we, when we were making this, I was like, yeah, let's, let's get the notes ready. And I had like, you know, piddly, like few sentences. And then I came back to it and it's like this study, this study, this study, this time. I'm like, dang, this is why you're the co-host. So yes, continue. Well, I just really like, I really like research and I really like evidence-based things. And I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I really like it whenever I find that what I already believe is backed up by science. Yep. <laughs> I really like that. Um, like, okay, I have this feeling of, you know, this is a healthy thing for my child or whatever. And then it's like, studies show. And I'm like, yes, I was right. So that, that partly drives my yeah. research. Um, but I just, I was like, okay, so here are some studies that go against what I believe about sugar. So what I believe about sugar is that it's just like any other food, that it's not addictive, that it's not inherently unhealthy in normal amounts, just like anything else. You know, you can die from too much water. You can die from too much salt. You can have severe gastric distress from too many raw fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. You can have severe gastric distress from too much fat. You can have um, blood sugar spikes actually with excessive protein. So no matter what food we're talking about, an excessive amount, like a, like a massive amount of one type of food probably is going to be bad for you. So yep. I don't deny that like unbelievable amounts of sugar is bad for you. The same as unbelievable amounts of fat right. is bad for you or unbelievable amounts of protein. It doesn't matter what food it is. If you are eating so, so much of it and normally our bodies with their cravings and with our appetites, you're not going to want in a normal situation where you have never had any, uh, you know, emotional problems with food or fears of food. If you're just presented with a big feast and, and you're like in a diet culture vacuum and you've never been experienced in, in, in involved with any of that, you're not going to probably want to avoid all fats or right. avoid all carbs or go keto or go vegan or go sugar, you know, completely sugar free. Your body asks through our cravings through, for a lot of different food groups. And so yeah. that's what they were finding in this research is that whenever people are binging and eating these unbelievable amounts of sugar that is harmful to you, it's the root cause is the diet mentality and the fear and the control and all of that. So all that is to say that I was looking up, um, the studies that seem to show things that I don't believe that it's very unhealthy and that you need to avoid it completely. Coconuts right. and kettle, Stephanie Rupert and Noel Tarr were advocating cutting it out completely. That's part of their protocol is no, no sugars ever. Um, except for, um, except for, you know, natural sugars like honey or whatever. So I was like, okay, well, this is some science instead of being threatened by science that doesn't support my view. I was like, okay, let me go look at this science. Let me go see these studies. So I went to the back of the book in the footnotes and I looked up the two studies that they mentioned. One of them was about suppressed immune response whenever you eat sugar. And one was about, say it again, Glyco uh, glycolytic cells. Yes. Glycolytic cells. Yes. Thank you. So I looked up the one about the suppressed immune response. And if I get these confused, I'm sorry, because they're, they're similar in the way that they conducted the studies. Yeah. <laughs> this just killed me. Okay. So first of all, and I'll link to both of these studies so that you guys can look at them. And if you own the 
Coconuts and Kettlebells cookbook, you can look back and see that I am referring to the exact studies that they mentioned. Yeah. So they're like, okay, avoid sugar because it'll suppress your immune response and it'll also glycolytic cells or whatever. It'll mess with your cells and give you diabetes and you'll die. Yes. And, and um, real quick too, the glycolytic, just I'll define that too for people. Yeah. Glycolytic cells, meaning that the cells have been impacted with sugar to such that they can't communicate very well with other cells. Basically, it means that uh, their receptors have been sugared over, literally. <laughs> That's what that gotcha. is. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't know what it was. I just understood that they were saying it was impairing your cell function. Yeah. I didn't understand and that's exactly. Cell yeah, exactly. It's basically, it, it's almost like if you're driving a car and someone fogs up the glass, you can't really see or, or motion to anybody outside right. the car. It's, it's, it's fogged up and messed up. And that's similar. I mean, obviously that's just a, this just an, a, a plain terms analogy for the mm -hmm. cells. The cells can't really tell the other cells how much sugar they have in them because they're, sugared over basically fogged which over. would be a problem yeah. which would definitely be a problem and same thing with the immune response if it's true that sugar does dampen your immune response then that's a problem it, it's it i can't remember this was this morning and it's been a long day it said something about it doesn't recognize pathogens as quickly or something like that somehow it impaired your immune function so but get this this is how they conducted the studies okay always look and see how many participants were in the study, how long was the study conducted, and how was the study conducted, and was there a control? Like, see if it's, a, if it's good science. In my mind, you know, a couple hundred thousand participants over a few years, like, that's a really good study. And sometimes, depending on what you're studying, that's not feasible. Yeah. So one of these studies was 14 people, which is an unbelievably small participant group. Yeah. That is teeny, 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 tiny, 14 people. And they were only studied over a few hours. And so get this, they were given, I think that it was the 14 group of people, the 14 people who were given 75 grams of pure glucose. Which is a lot. So I don't know if it was glucose syrup or if they gave them, I mean, they just said 75 grams of carbohydrates in the form of glucose given yeah. to these people. That's like a third of a cup. Like if you just like filled a third of a cup with honey and then just drank it. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would assume that you would have some sort of cellular like dysfunction if you did that. Um, that study was also done 50 years ago. So not very recent or up to date. The yeah. other study about the weakened immune response, they did not say, or at least I didn't see how many participants were in it. They gave their people a hundred grams of pure carbohydrate in the form of glucose, sucrose, fructose, orange juice, or honey, literally half a cup of carbs, like straight wow. carb. And the control group was fasting. So, and then, yeah, like they had a suppressed immune response. No surprise because you just, I mean, what happened? If, what would happen if you ate a half a cup of salt, just like chugged it? Like, yeah. I don't know, maybe you go into shock and die. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or if you ate, like if you filled half a cup up with canola oil and then just like drank it. I mean, any of those things that you're doing, like, oh my gosh, like right. when in your life are you going to consume a hundred grams of pure carbohydrate? And sure. Okay. A hundred grams of carbohydrate is what? Uh, two and a half cans of Coke. Yeah. So conceivably, if you drink really, really, really fast on an empty stomach, two and a half cans of Coke, it would do the same thing to your body. 
So how about not do that? But it's just like for them to say, for people to say that we should not have any sugar in our diets at all or to restrict it, which has been proven in studies and just in our normal experience to cause panic and binging and addiction like behavior. So they're like, okay, well, your two options are either to restrict, which causes a bunch of problems with sugar or to not have any of it. Right. Right. Completely cut it out. No sugar ever, but they're not. It makes me so upset whenever they do this in studies where they're not testing normal life and normal behavior. How about if you want to test somebody who has zero sugar versus somebody who eats sugar, how about test somebody who has like sugar sprinkled over their oatmeal right? or like a glass of orange juice with their eggs? Like that's a normal amount of sugar consumed. Nobody, I don't know a single person who's consuming half a cup of honey at a sitting, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, So just don't, be afraid to go look up studies and see, is it good science? Is it not? And are they testing stuff that's comparable to real life? You know, it's the same thing that kills me um, with caffeine and pregnancy. They force fed massive amounts of caffeine to rats, mm-hmm. which are by the way, not humans. Right. And the rats had a slightly raised increase of miscarriage. And so for the longest time, they wouldn't even let pregnant women have chocolate because it had a little bit of caffeine in it. Mm-hmm. So of course they've done studies now and they're like, Oh, duh. Pregnant women are not eating, you know, half their body weight and caffeine. They're having one cup of coffee a day, by the way, one cup of coffee a day is fine. Right. Um, same thing with alcohol during pregnancy. One, one drink a day is fine or one drink a week or whatever they said. But whenever they're studying two absolute extremes, like alcoholism versus teetotalers yeah. or a hundred grams of, of sugar versus zero, that doesn't give us any information to go off of in real life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you're studying the extremes instead of just the person who is eating their normal daily diet and they have like some sugar in their coffee or they have some honey on their oats or whatever it is. It's not a average look. It's a extreme, uh, you know, push it to the limits. And then we use that to go and hit everybody else over the head with it. And that bugs me. Like uh, that really is frustrating to watch because then, you know, you go whack everybody over the head with, Oh my gosh, you need to be so scared of sugar. When in reality, it's like, oh, by the way, the study was not super extensive and it was only done on rats. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And, and honestly, right. if people are new to looking at research, you'll be very surprised how many studies they do on rats and then say that that's, you know, transferable to humans. Like, I, right. I literally <laughs> think of any claim you can think of that's health and that's probably they use rats. So you decide. Do you want to go off of what they, you know, tested for rats or are you just going to figure out what works best for your body and helps you be healthier overall and do that? <laughs> you know, like right. at, at some point, the studies for, for some people will run out and you will be like, okay, this is working for me. And, you know, this, this study says that, uh, you know, for example, turmeric shouldn't be able to do this for me, but it is actually doing this because I can see it on my blood work. Okay, cool. You know, like, right. it's just, it's just funny. It just cracks me up. Actually, it doesn't right. crack me up. It makes me mad, to be honest. But anyway, <laughs> because everybody is so, everyone is so down on it. And when you understand that glucose and sugar breaks, you know, the sugar breaks down to glucose and then other 
different fruits have, you know, glucose, fructose, or a combination sucrose of those different sugars, it all is burned (laughs) in your body as a fuel and it's used for energy. So it's kind of like, it really does, it, it really all breaks down into glucose in, you know, in your bloodstream, depending on what kind, again, those other kinds of right. sugar they mentioned, it all breaks down into fuel in your bloodstream and whether or not you get accessory nutrients or not is really the difference. Right. And it's, and it's interesting that it's not like sugar is this evil demon food or this poison. Like everybody says that sugar is this poison. It's not a poison. It's just, it's been processed in a way that it's natural nutrients like, um, like in maple syrup or in honey mm-hmm. or in coconut sugar, they have those trace minerals and they even got some amino acids, I believe, and some vitamins that just assist your body in breaking it down. And it doesn't have quite as high of a spike. Um, so yeah, sugar has been processed in a way that it wouldn't be found in nature, but that was a heck of a lot of other foods that you don't, that, that we eat, that isn't the exact way that it was found in nature. And it's the same as kind of like, I kind of think of it like table salt, like Morton's iodized salt, Mm -hmm. very similar. It's still salt, but all of the minerals and the nutrients have been taken out of it. And so your body doesn't process it in quite the same way. Right. As it's designed to process, say, uh, Himalayan pink salt or Celtic sea salt. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I do prefer if I'm going to have, um, a sweetener, like in my tea or whatever to have honey, or to put maple syrup on something instead of sugar or whatever. And it's not because I'm scared of sugar. I think it's going to kill me or that I'm addicted to it, but because I know that it's just, it's just got more, it's like more bang for your buck. It's got more nutrients in it. Exactly. A little bit healthier. Exactly. Like honey has all kinds of awesome stuff in it. And obviously my dad's a beekeeper. So I'm a big fan of honey (laughs) and maple syrup and that kind of stuff too. And I tend to prefer that. I drink honey in my like coffee and tea. That's like my favorite thing to use. But I think that people just, you know, they get so first, you know, everybody's like, okay, well, sugar's the, sugar's the devil. Okay. Like they established that. And then they're like, oh, also, you know, you can't have honey and maple syrup because it's too high in carbs as well. Oh, and by the way, fruit is like really too high in carbs as well. Oh, and by the way, did you know that broccoli actually has too many carbs? Like you shouldn't eat that on a keto diet. Like that's just absolutely not allowed. Right. You know, we get just absolutely, um, what's the word fanatic about it, you know, mm-hmm. and real quick too, I wanted to briefly, this is a, I, I'm not gonna be able to cover all the details on this. In fact, I might just, um, we might just get the link to this gal's post. Um, she is a cancer metabolism scientist. Okay. And she's talking about eating carbs does not make your cells glycolytic sugar and carbs don't cause cancer. Whoa. That's a big, like some people right now are listening to it and going, oh my gosh, but, but, but <laughs> sugar is like, it doesn't sugar feed cancer. Like sugar right. feeds cancer. I used to say that, like I used to, that used to be why I ate low carb. Now for me, I was afraid of sugar, mostly for the cancer stuff because I just read, oh, sugar equals feeding cancer. So I'm not going to have right. it, but <laughs> which is not true when you understand at least what they know right now of cancer metabolism and how cancer metabolizes sugar. But that used to be the main thing. I was scared of that. And I was also scared it would make me fat, but I was also scared that it would give me cancer and like all kinds of problems. (laughs) So, but basically essentially what she's saying is that um, eating carbs does not make your 
cells glycolytic. And remember, glycolytic is that thing where it's like if the windshield's fogged up and they can't communicate. So um, carbs are broken down into glucose and glucose enters into glycolysis, which is, you know, a way that we make sugar. But it doesn't mean that the cells in your body are suddenly glycolytic because you just ate some sugar. Okay. A majority of your cells actually want to use a different method of making energy. Your body has three different ways that can make uh, sugar when you're eating it. It has um, three different ways of doing it. There's three different pathways. And your, your body actually does not always want to use the glycolytic pathway. It may pick another of the two. So essentially, uh, basically, glycolytic refers to the state or characteristics of the actual cell. And get this, glycolytic means the cells also lack oxygen. So your cells cannot respirate and make energy. So they can't do what they're supposed to do, which is burn the sugar to make energy, you see? So it's very, very fascinating. And, and so she says right here that cancer cells are actually highly glycolytic. So when they biopsied cancer cells, they are highly glycolytic. So people go, oh my goodness, the cancer cells are glycolytic. Therefore, sugar makes you have cancer. That's what right. people do, right? But, but it's interesting that uh, it, when your metabolism is altered, that's a hallmark of cancer because your, your body is now uh, supporting this tumor or this growth, but it does not, it doesn't mean that glycolysis equals cancer. So there's other, there's actually other tissues in your body, like your gut lining um, or your stem cells. And they also use the same method of glycolysis that a cancer cell would. So why are they not, why are they not having a problem? So, and it's interesting because they're not sure scientists don't even know the exact switch like whether it becomes before or after, like how it goes glycolytic, but they do understand um, that there is issues with the cells communicating with each other. And now I'm going to add a little aside here because I've learned about this as well in my studies. If your cell membranes can't communicate, you're going to have glycolytic cells. If your cell membranes are made up of polyunsaturated fatty acids and you're not eating cholesterol and you're not eating saturated fat, you're not going to have an effective cell membrane and they're not going to be able to communicate. I hope that makes sense. So it's kind of like, that's my little aside to remind people that, yeah, there actually is some evidence that you having a good, healthy cell membrane will actually protect you from cancer, but other things too. So it's very interesting. Right. So, so are you saying that it's not just avoid sugar? It's exactly. that you need, to you need to have healthy cells and that's what you need cells. to have instead of just being so obsessed about sugar. So here's, here's something very interesting as well is that um, <laughs> this, this is gonna, we're going to talk more about this in our um, low-carbon keto episode. Stay tuned for that. But um, basically, if you cut out carbs, and I said this earlier, but if you cut out carbs, your body makes its own glucose. Even if today you said, I'm never going to eat another carbohydrate in my entire life, your body would still be making carbohydrates. Okay? Right. <laughs> you have right. to make them. So it's a question of, do you take them into your body? Do you quote unquote supplement yourself with carbs or do you make your body make it themselves? So, you know, your body will actually make that. And the process of that is called gluconeogenesis. Gluconeogenesis means creating new glucose. And that happens, guess what, in your liver. So if your liver is already tired or overburdened or stressed, it's going to add another thing that it has to do. And that is make sugar. <laughs> So right. your, your liver will continue making glucose regardless of what you're doing to keep your blood sugar stable. Because guess what? Your body's trying to survive. And meanwhile, and we, yeah, exactly. And we, and we do know that, that cortisol stress does 
contribute greatly to your susceptibility to cancer. And yep. so yep. Uh-huh. Not, yep. Exactly. not trying to be fear mongering in the other way, but like if you're stressed every single day about sugar, it might, and you, then you get cancer. It might not be the little two teaspoons of sugar that you caved and ate that day. It stress, might be, it might I'm be telling you, stress. I'm telling you that stress oh, is gosh. so bad. And you know, so basically cancer. Okay. When they, when they've biopsied cancer cells, Cancer can use glucose because it's a, it's a whole body disease. It's not just like one area. It's a whole body deal. It's your, your cells have been hijacked. Okay. That's what happens with cancer. Your cells get hijacked. Your cancer cells actually, you know, go rogue as it were, and they start producing their own, you know, um, their own little energy manufacturing systems. And the interesting thing that as she was saying is that you, it can hijack your body's processes. So it can hijack the, you know, ability to make its own sugar from the cancer cells itself. <laughs> so it, uh, it cancer can actually do the exact same process where, you know, you have glucose and then it's pr- processed. Those little cancer cells can actually do the exact same thing. So it basically can have that exact same thing. And the cells on the outside of a tumor have access to the oxygen that remember oxygen is, you know, your cells need oxygen. And they can actually steal that from other cells. So it's like they just wow. hijack everything. Think of like a, you know, uh, a ship getting, what's the word? Um, uh, oh, like a pirate or something? Yes. I'm trying to think. Of, why can I not think of that word? Hijacked. No, not hijacked or, uh, I don't know. Why can I not think of that word? Oh, my gosh. Our <laughs> listeners are like, you idiot. It's that. I've been talking too many cell things. But anyway, when someone comes over and takes over your ship. And, you know, they're, they're now doing everything for their purposes. Yeah. And that's what, that's what cancer does. So basically if you reduce like your treatment, so let's say cancer treatment. So let's say you're, you have cancer and you're like, I'm going to cut out all, you know, all sugar from my diet. Okay, cool. Your body's still going to make sugar, even if you eat it or not. Like if that makes sense. So, and again, we say this all the time on the podcast, correlation does not equal, everybody say it with me, causation. It does not necessarily, it's the same thing we've said with stuff like your weight and everything. Correlation does not mean causation, right? Like reducing right. it, you know, and basically the, the bottom line is for, for a cancer, at least my understanding with it is you can't change the metabolism of the cancer by what you eat. So you can't uh-huh. stop the fact that your cancer is going to do what it's going to do to hijack the other cells right. and steal the oxygen and take the nutrients that they are using. You can't, you know, you're not going to be able to just pull sugar or any form of carbs out of your diet and suddenly like be able to starve the sugar because right. your cancer cells actually hijack those processes and the cancer makes its own energy regardless of what you're doing. If right. that makes and sense. It, it, yes. And so it sounds like whether you're sick or whether you're healthy, eating sugar or not eating sugar or eating carbs or not eating carbs, the only thing that's going to affect is pretty much your stress levels. Yep. Stress levels and your health of your cells are pretty much. Because, yeah. Because if you don't eat carbs or sugar, if you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm at a higher risk for cancer or I've had a cancer scare or whatever, and then you cut out cancer, you cut out sugar completely. It's still, if, if I'm understanding, cause this is new information to me, I didn't research this part. Yeah. So if I understand correctly, you're saying that it's going to still create glucose itself. Yep. 
That's right. So interesting. So then I guess the bottom line for me then, and again, we don't know, like, people don't know everything there is to know about cancer. If we understood it, we would, we yeah, wouldn't yeah, have exactly. it anymore. We don't understand everything about addiction. Um, we don't understand everything about immune response. Like it's all, I mean, yeah, what yeah. we actually, what we actually know about these things is so small and we can see correlations. Sometimes we can see associations. We can see, huh, whenever this happens and this happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, the bottom line as far as whether or not you should eat sugar is to treat it like any other food group. Yeah. And that, and that is not to restrict it and not to be afraid of it and not to teach your kids growing up that sugar is so, so bad for you. And then if you take away all that fear, all that restriction, you're going to want it in normal amounts, just like anything else. Um, I don't go around, like I've worked really hard this past year because sugar was a big fear food for me because mm-hmm. I always thought, oh my gosh, it's going to make me fat and it's going to make me sick. And yes. blah, blah. So I've worked really hard this year and I just don't care about it anymore. See, it's and not I'm that so I proud like of it. you because I know how hard that is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank yep. you. Well, but it was so worth it to me. I was like, this 2020 is the year of getting over sugar and it really has been. And I've just like, it'll be there. And there's no form of sugar now that I'm concerned about or like scared of or whatever. And I have my moments, of course, but like overall, it just doesn't bother me. And I used to feel like, oh my goodness, like it just would consume my mind. And so I'm living proof that whenever you take away the restrictions, the appeal of it just dies. It's just a normal food now. Like I want a mango just as much as I would want chocolate Yeah. or I would want um, a heart. Like today I was like, oh, a hard boiled egg. It sounds so good. Right. Like it's not like, it's not like I have these bad foods that I can't eat. And then, oh, the good foods. And right. then it's like the, the battle. Right. It's just food. Yeah. Sugar's just food. Yeah. And, you know, try to eat the the more nutrient-dense ones if you can. If you have access to honey or maple yeah. syrup, go for it. Like, I mean, yeah. it's got exactly. a lot more nutrition in it. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's just kind of like we said. It. If you want the trace minerals with it, then eat something that has that with it. You know? And I think, yeah, I think that uh, it's really encouraging probably for people to hear that you've been able to go from that because it's really difficult to move when it's so it hammered into difficult. your, yeah. When it's so hammered into your brain. And I know what that's like. I mean, I'm, I'm the one who literally was telling people sugar feeds cancer, sugar feeds cancer, sugar feeds cancer. And it's like, yeah, guess what, Margaret, even if you didn't eat any sugar, your body would still feed the cancer because it's cancer and it hydrates right. cells. <laughs> right. And you know, that's not to say that people who are in cancer treatment, they need nutrient dense food. If you're going to argue that somebody needs nutrient dense food to fight off cancer, heck yes, those people need nutrient dense food, but it's like, it's just, we get so myopic that we just can't see the big picture and realize right. your body is going to make sugar, whether you eat it or not. And by sugar, I mean, glucose fuel for your bloodstream and everything. It's going right. to do that. And, you know, this is something interesting too. And I I think we should link, and I have a note on here to do this. We should link some of the practitioners just because people might be listening to this and be like, okay, Margaret's like gone off the deep end now. She's like completely jumped off the deck and is like (laughs) swimming with the sharks. And we hope they eat her because this is crazy. But there's three other practitioners, extremely um, thoughtful and very, very clear in what they're saying, probably much clearer than I've been on this episode. But they, their Instagram accounts, because they are also kind of the sounding the alarm of, Hey guys, why are we getting so hung up on this? And in fact, for people who do have stressed livers, stressed adrenal glands, getting things 
and a steady stream of glucose as you can can be extremely helpful if not beneficial like they're literally like you need if you have adrenal fatigue and you have a liver that's really super tired you need to eat ice cream before you go to bed with some protein with it i'm serious (laughs) i'm serious and it's because you know ice cream has the sugar it's got the fat it's got the you know a little bit of protein in there because people people whose livers are stressed and have been uh, hypoglycemia is the root of all Every single hormonal imbalance, every single thing that you could have going on with your body. I'm not even overstating this. Hypoglycemia, where your blood sugar goes up and down and all around, it really messes with your hormones. It messes with your adrenals. It screws up your liver. So when you're actually focusing on letting your body not have to make its own glucose all the time, then you're going to be able to get it out of that stress state because your body's like, oh, gosh, we can kick back a little bit because she's finally – not making us, you know, basically asking us to build a house and not giving us the materials. She's finally right. giving it to us. So, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Tr- anyway. Treat it, like a normal, treat it like a normal food and try to make it nutrient dense if you can and just don't stress just about don't it. Stress just don't stress about it. Yeah. Just make it neutral. And if you may, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm trying to tell people not to eat sugar, but, or eat what they like to eat, but. But like you said, when you get to a point where you've been allowing yourself, you, it loses that ew, allure, like, ooh, yeah. sugar, ooh, you know, it loses that allure. And you actually might find that you eat less of it. I'm not saying that you have I, to. I do. I found that I do. I have wanted sugar less than I have in my whole life when I gave myself complete unfettered access yes. to it. <laughs> yep. Same. I can have, you know, cookies or whatever in my house and it is no big deal. I'm literally like, actually, I would rather have some um you know carrots in this homemade ranch dip honestly right now or whatever and then I might actually eat you know might eat it later but it's not it it loses the appeal when you stop obsessing over it like and you will be healthier for not obsessing (laughs) over it like ah so anyway anyway well you got anything else no all right great well thanks for listening y'all we'll be back next week with another episode thanks so much for listening Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Diet Detox Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Berry, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, master TTAP trainer, and mother of two. I'm joined by my co-host, Victoria Wilkes, a fellow intuitive eater, passionate TTAPper, and mother of two. Each week, we want to empower you with new information about the way our bodies and minds work together to bring us into balance when we are well-nourished and well-fed. Victoria and I are not only good friends, but we are also lucky enough to be sisters-in-law. So join us as we discuss topics such as body image, intuitive eating, women's health, pregnancy and postpartum nutrition, the science behind nutrition and exercise, and so much more. Remember our disclaimer, the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get to the show. For more great content, check us out on Instagram. We're at instagram.com forward slash diet detox. We'll see you next time.